1: This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at Clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide.
0: Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here with the latest Ion Travel Podcast. On this edition, I set sail on the Celebrity Millennium, the first U.S. cruise ship taking American passengers in the Western Hemisphere. The ship departed from the island of St. Martin and route to Barbados, Curacao, and Aruba on a seven-day cruise that stopped in no U.S. ports. And if you ever wanted to know the true economic impact of travel and tourism, look no further than the Caribbean, especially when it comes to cruising. I'll talk first with the Prime Minister of St. Martin, Silveria Jacobs, on what the cruise ship's return means to them and how to move forward. Then, I'll sail to Barbados and sit down with Prime Minister Mia Motley on how she continues to navigate the uncharted economic waters and how Barbados, like so many of its neighbors, is eager to welcome travelers back. And then, the total cruise ship impact. Editor-in-chief of CruiseCritic.com, Colleen McDaniel, on the return of the cruise lines and what it might mean to you. First up, the Prime Minister of St. Martin, Silveria Jacobs.
1: Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy.
0: I'm pleased to welcome to the show someone who knows a little bit about why this ship is sailing and where it's going and where it's coming back to, the Honorable Prime Minister of St. Martin, Silveria Jacobs. Thank you, Madam Prime Minister.
3: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here.
0: When I do all of the stories that I do around the world about travel and tourism, I suppose St. Martin is a perfect example, uh, 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 in fact, the penultimate example of the impact of travel and tourism on an economy. Uh, It it is your biggest GDP when you think about it.
3: Yes, indeed. St. Martin has been 100% or at least 90% reliant upon tourism, uh, both cruise and air travel. And of course, we've been hard hit uh, economically by the downturn.
0: Give me an example of what life was before with cruises into St. Martin?
3: Well, I must say St. Martin was a a hub. Um, We have a pretty good um, port here, whereby we can house up to eight ships at a time, mega ships, and it's been quite busy. So our uh, front and back street vendors are quite reliant upon it. We also have stores and others right here at the
0: port. Literally, when the ship comes in, the ship comes in.
3: Yes, definitely. And um, many people rely on that, including taxis and tour operators. And um, we have been diversifying the tours, actually, and making it even more attractive. So many people have been impacted by the lack of cruising over the past year.
0: And isn't it ironic that back in February of 2020, the one word that was being used all around the world as topic A to discuss was (laughs) over-tourism?
3: Well, I guess we got to check on that. Over the past
0: year, right, but then again, I guess society and, and the, the world as, as a whole got a chance for a do-over. You got a chance to reset, refigure it out, remanage it, mm-hmm. and plan better. So, what were the lessons that you learned during the 15 months of the, of the height of the pandemic that you're able to apply now going forward?
3: Well, definitely, um, we learned that definitely discipline is key. We have to do what's right for the country if we want to be economically sustainable, uh, ensuring that all our people have a way to make a living. Um, even those that are reliant on tourism, and actually looking at ways to diversify. So we've um, a lot of people use this downturn to train in an area of their passion.
0: That they never even knew. That they, they, they even were. knew yeah. they
3: had. You know you're not reliant anymore on somebody else ensuring your survivability. So we offered a lot of training programs. And so um, I think there was a resurgence of the importance of education and training and following your goals and your passion.
0: From a GDP point of view, you know, the WTTC always says travel and tourism, this is before the pandemic, travel and tourism was one out of every 10 jobs, one out of every five new jobs. Does that kind of trickle down here as well?
3: Oh, definitely that does, because as I mentioned, um, not only is it our bars, restaurants, and shops, um, the, the taxi drivers, the tour bus operators, and tours, it's its just basically what we are. We're a destination, and that's where we have a lot of hotels as well. But the cruises give you an opportunity for that quick visit that could roll over into a stayover at some later point.
0: Well, we'll get to home porting in a second, but the idea is someone visits St. Martin for the first time by cruise ship. That's their appetizer. Right,
3: right, definitely. And uh, we—that's that turnover into a return visitor is what we actually look forward to when we get our cruise uh, visitors.
0: Now, I've got to ask the devil's advocate question, which goes back to uh, countries like Italy and Venice, uh, Bermuda as well, where way before the pandemic, they were instituting cruise ship moratorium, if you will, trying to limit the number of cruise ships in a port on any one day, because in those particular destinations, it was having a negative impact on your own resources.
3: Right, and we definitely would want to have that as well. We're tiny, um, 37 square miles, 16 on our Dutch side. Uh, We want to make sure that life can still continue for the people who live here year round. So definitely managing our numbers and ensuring that there are enough attractions that they can visit. Having 37 beaches is not just enough. We must ensure that we have more to do and manage our numbers for it to be sustainable.
0: So let's talk about that. How are you managing those numbers now moving forward?
3: Well, definitely we're just starting back, and it's way lower than what we're used to, so that gives us a great opportunity to assess what is max, what is, what is viable, and also to have our vendors in the shopping districts, because that's a big draw also for a tourist, to diversify so that it's not you know, all of the same, uh, not the same that you would see in another destination as well.
0: And you're working with the cruise lines as well. There's a Caribbean task force.
3: Yes, yes. Um, Our minister of TIAT is a part of that and has actually been chairing
0: the cruise um, committee. And what did you learn from that? Because in the the old days, by the way, that was a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. uh, in the old days, the cruise lines almost dictated to the region versus vice versa. Now you're in a position saying, we better work together.
3: Well, actually, we have been. That's something also over the last year and a half or year and three months that we've been able to grow the relationship and actually meet each other halfway. So the cruise industry is also um, doing a lot. They assisted us also with the rollout, our vaccination program. So I feel like we are on a position now that we can really uh, negotiate to ensure that there's training opportunities. Some of our our residents are also getting the opportunity to work on cruises so they can explore the world and explore their own um, initiatives as well. So we have to just maintain as a small island that we are in the working in the best interests of the people of Saint Martin at all times.
0: I mean, you are the smallest island in the world, shared by two countries, right? Yes, indeed. The, that ne- makes the Netherlands and
3: France. Well, not the Netherlands, actually, because we are um, a sovereign um, part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands.
0: Excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> but you have, they have a governor, right?
3: We do have a governor, but he governs, he co-governs with the elected officials. He's not above the elected officials.
0: And you remind him of that every day.
3: <laughs> oh well, we work well together.
0: We work well together. He is a Saint Martiner. I got you. He he better be, right? (laughs) So let's talk about home porting because every island in the Caribbean would want that for themselves because for all the obvious reasons, you start your trip there, you end your trip there. That allows people to explore the island before and after. But that never really was happening here until now.
3: Right. So this has been on the, uh, let's call it on the agenda of our our tourist industry for quite a while.
0: Of the you port. were lobbying for a long time.
3: We've this. been lobbying for a long time so that's why they say every crisis is an opportunity and we did make very good use of that opportunity to get on board. We we were the island that was the most open to work with the cruises during the lockdown and um, do um, the. Debargation, allowing them to fill up on oil and, and produce, etc. So
0: we we created a great relationship. And when I when I came to Saint Martin before I got on the ship, I looked out in the water. I saw a lot of cruise ships hanging out out there.
3: Right. So they always, since the lockdown, even though there were no cruises, they were coming back to our ports to be able to do whatever maintenance they needed or to be able to fill up on the um, deb- um, what what is that called? the oil and, and provisioning. oil, yeah. Yeah, oil and provisioning, so um, gas, etc. So we still were able to make some money, even though it wasn't the usual.
0: Exactly. So now, isn't it ironic that you get a chance to have a ship that's home ported here simply because of U.S. government regulations that weren't allowing them to sail from the U.S.? And the cruise industry was, I mean, unbelievably positioned to say, we're the one industry that can actually move our assets. Right. They can literally say, see ya. And here you were.
3: Yes, yes, definitely. And because of that great relationship that we have cultivated over the past few months um, and those plans that we had on on table all along, we were able to start a discussion also because of the minister's uh, vision to push that forward.
0: So what guarantees have you gotten that this is not just going to be a short-term situation until everybody can return to Miami?
3: Well, I don't think there's guarantees in anything in this industry, but I guess when people come to a position where you're being treated the way we treat people on St. Martin, um, I think they'll have a hard time moving it away. There's much to be gained from the agreement, and so I expect that we will make sure the experience is so great that they'll want to continue to keep it going.
0: What is the port doing now differently than you did 15 months ago?
3: Well, I can't speak for the port itself. It's a, Even though government entity, it's a completely independently run. But definitely what they continue to do is be innovative and um, look for ways to make sure that we are making it because there's not just the cruise area, but there's also the cargo area. And that also sustained the port during the time of the lockdown because more was being shipped. But I believe that their vision to, to grow this port, we do have some improvements to make, but we've been able to do a lot of that during the lockdown as well.
0: And then, of course, there are the health protocols as well. Yes. So before I came to St. Martin, I had to fill out a number of different forms. I had to show that I'd been vaccinated. I had to have a COVID-19 test negative, thank God. And then, <laughs> right? And then I could come right without quarantining.
3: right and that's been one of the greatest things that we've done after we were able to lock down we were able to get our testing up and running we got that a where you had to fill in to come in and you're being monitored while you're here and all the hotels also got on board that they had to make sure they had a quarantining and isolation spot on site for person in case they did get tested as well as an insurance that um, tourists had to take because of our small size, not wanting to be overburdened by anyone.
0: You know, it's it's, it's <clears throat> interesting to note that it's not what people are talking about, it's what they're thinking about. And so many travelers who want to go somewhere are saying, I really want to go, but I don't want to get somewhere and get stuck and can't get home.
3: And that's exactly why we have that insurance in place. Uh, with that insurance, you can be uh, medevaced out or be uh, also able to extend your stay beyond what you had planned for if necessary. But that's part of the reason why I think more people are coming to St. Martin. And we've seen our numbers, our rival numbers, rise steadily since uh, February.
0: My thanks to Prime Minister Jacobs. Barbados is almost a textbook case of the tourism economy. The island nation also has enjoyed the highest number of repeat visitors in the Caribbean. But then the pandemic hit and it threatened to devastate their economy. But Prime Minister Mia Motley had a plan. Joining me now, the Honorable Prime Minister of Barbados, Mia Motley, Madam Prime Minister, thanks for coming.
4: Thank you very much for having me. Well,
0: thank you for letting us dock. <laughs>
4: yeah. My pleasure. This is the first ship that has brought passengers for over a year. So that, um, and, and certainly the cruise ships that we've been dealing with since the beginning of 2020, most of them, have been really just to allow people to transit Barbados to get back safely to their homes and their families. So today is a very, very special day for us, Peter. Let's talk about the economic impact here because Barbados, like so many
0: countries in the Caribbean, your GDP is so dependent on travel and tourism. That's right. And
4: for the last 15 months, devastating. That's right. We've had virtually zero revenue from um, tourism and travel for the majority of the last 15 months. Um, in fact, it dropped to about 10% of the of the long stay travelers. Our economy declined by just under 18%. And I don't need to tell you that to lose a billion US in a ten in a five billion US economy is a major, major, major decline. And that's money you don't recoup. That's the point. And and it's not just us. It is all of the tourism and travel dependent countries of the world and territories for that matter. Because you have a territory like Macau, their decline, I think, was in the vicinity of over 50%. Um, You have countries ranging from the Maldives right back down to Jamaica that was at 10, 11%. But most of us are in that 17 to 25% decline last year. Now, what does that mean? That reverses us, takes us back A decade in nominal terms it almost challenges you to almost be a welfare state that's the point and and we literally have had to put together funding to support people who are unemployed our unemployment social security scheme um, our unemployment benefits run typically for six months Um, that's over because this has been going now for 15 months and the government has had to intervene working with the hotels and the hospitality industry first and foremost to protect jobs and people because that's who we are, first and foremost. I'm
0: I'm about to say, mm -hmm. surely you can
4: connect the dots better than anybody, Mm -hmm. that if you don't have travel and tourism, people don't put food on the table. There's that, and in addition to them not being able to put food on their table, you don't realize how dependent the rest of the economy is on the tourism industry. Until until you don't have it. That's the point. So as a country, double our population visits us as long-stay visitors every year typically, and almost three times our population visits us as cruise visitors for the day as you are today, so that when you remove that you potentially are removing huge amounts of market opportunities for farmers, for traders, for all taxi drivers, for all kinds of people. So that the effective contribution of tourism to this economy is about 45% of GDP. So when you lose... Did you say that 45%? Collectively, both direct and indirect. Because the World Travel and Tourism Council basically says annually, generally, worldwide, it's about 11%. So you're four times more. Exactly. And, And if you look at other... Caribbean countries or countries in the Pacific um, who are dependent on tourism, the decline has been real. As I said, you've got a country like Maldives where the decline was, I think, 32% last year. Aruba, 25%. So the only countries that have performed as bad or worse than tourism and travel-dependent countries have been war-torn countries. And that says it all. Plus, you were going into this trying to come out of an economic slump to begin with. (laughs) That's right. I mean, everyone here knows that we had just turned the corner, um, having literally set about to restructure our debt, domestic and international And how indebted were you? Oh, we were the third most indebted country in the world when we took office three years ago. We were at 177% debt to GDP ratio. We brought it down to 118%. Regrettably, because of what has happened now with COVID, we're back at 152. And of that increase of 34%, only five percentage points is as a result of new borrowing to sustain it was the population, journalism. but most of it is because of the decline in economic activity. So that if your GDP drops from 10 billion to just over 8 billion, you're obviously going to have a higher debt to GDP ratio. You know? So it's not as a result of large amounts of new borrowing, but just simply the contraction of economic activity, which is almost warlike. So you got hit with a double whammy. Oh, absolutely. And then where are we now? that we are in the middle of hurricane season that has just started less than a week ago. So we're lucky because we're pretty much off the belt for the most part of of the hurricane. Because you're further south and east, yeah. south and east. We're the most easterly of all the Caribbean nations. So that, um, and, and there's even a view that we're partially in the Atlantic Ocean and partially in the Caribbean Sea.
0: You have the same problem that Bermuda has. <laughs> oh, the best of
4: both worlds, <laughs> <laughs> you understand? But we were a little warmer than them because obviously they have a more temperate climate. Um, but I believe there's a risk always with tourism. Tourism will be the first to go in events like this or after 9-11 if you recall. I do. Um, But it equally can be the first to come back. And that's why we've been so adamant about getting it right for our population, first and foremost, with respect to the COVID protocols and with respect to the vaccinations. But regrettably, getting vaccines out there is like the wild, wild west. And, And we've been lucky. We have just about a third of our adult population fully vaccinated with both doses and maybe about another 5 6% that have had at least one dose and are waiting for the second. Um, and as soon as we have access to more vaccines, I hope that we can start to get close to that, that, that herd immunity that everyone wants to see. The only problem is, is that once you're open and exposed, we really need vaccine equity globally Because the risk is what? The mutations and the variants. Although what I'm seeing now, and I'm sure you're experiencing it looking at the globe, Mm. is we've morphed
0: from just a public health issue into an economic one. Oh, without a doubt. And then
4: people are now looking at it, not as the vaccination level of your country, but the vaccination level of the people who want to visit you. Exactly. And there's that and because obviously of the exposure. But we also recognize that until as many people can have access to vaccines in our neighborhood, in our world, um, we're not going to see the kind of recovery globally, economically, that we want to. Having said that, um, there are people like you and others who were very passionate about wanting to cruise and who jumped back out there first on this first cruise in the Americas that has taken place in months and and I'm hopeful that if we can be faithful to the protocols and if we can get people who are vaccinated moving around who we'll obviously have a much much less chance of any kind of, um, of, of, of transmission than if you weren't that we can begin to see an upward trajectory with respect to the number of visitors, and with respect to what we're doing. What we did last year to try and offset some of it was to move away from the traditional short-stay tourism.
2: Tour. I remember. That's you right. almost
4: got me to move down here. You, you know. see that? We can still get you to come. <laughs> um, to the welcome stamp, which is intended for, the young people call it digital nomads. I just call it people who recognize that they can ride this out in a warmer, safer, and nicer <laughs> place.
1: This episode
0: so let's talk about the cruise industry itself because you were very much a part of the, of, the, of the task force and I've always noticed, and of course it really came to fruition during this crisis, how much government doesn't understand about travel and tourism, how much state legislatures in the United States don't understand, how much they haven't been able to connect the dots, but, but if you're an island nation dependent on travel and tourism, you, have, you can connect all the dots because they're, they're in your face. You have to. So what was your goal here in the, in the, in the, in the task force and, and what are you still hoping to accomplish?
4: Well, to begin with, we want to be able to have a different engagement with the industry. And in a very funny way, the pandemic has brought us closer together. So that's the one good thing about the pandemic and we've been able to deepen our relationships with the industry and to see where we can find win-win opportunities, not just for the tourists who are on the ships, but for the destinations, for the people who service it, for the employees. So that's the first gain. Last year when we got close, it was really because everybody was panicking and nobody wanted to be able to facilitate the movement of passengers through their country because of the fear of this this thing called COVID and nobody knew enough about it. They were in a bunker. That's right. And we took, uh, my Minister of Tourism did a wonderful job. She was then chairman of the Bridgetown Port and worked with the cruise industry to be able to allow 21,000 passengers to transit and and crew. Just to, to get home. To move from our Bridgetown Port to the airport. But of course, when you're dealing with a small island, you had to bring your population along with you because they want to know why are you exposing us to all of these people? And we've had to remind them that fundamentally this crisis has taught us about being human and being the best person that we can be and being the best person that we can be would cause us to remember the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you so it didn't change the definition of hospitality no it didn't And, and in fact what it did was to allow us to recognize that these people needed to get home these people needed to be safe and if we can make a difference in their lives, let's do it. And let's hope that they'll come back and visit us in the future and remember that this was the country that carried them through that passenger and bridge to safety. You know, let's talk historically
0: because isn't it ironic that 15 or 16 months ago, the buzzword that was on the table, I'm sure you saw it, I'm sure mm-hmm. you spoke it, mm-hmm. was over-tourism. It was, how do you manage the growth? Yep. You know, we don't want to become another Venice. We don't yep. become another yep. Barcelona. Yep. Um, you know, there were ports in the Caribbean that would have as many as eight cruise ships yeah. in any one day, which was definitely uh, taxing their own resources. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you learned from all of this so that you've been given an opportunity for a reset, yeah. in, a, in a sense?
4: Everything in life is about balance. <clears throat> and in essence, that's what sustainable development is, is, is really about. And I believe that we can do and open up to persons. And I I, I don't even like the word tourists per se because they're really visitors and visitors ultimately become friends and partners. And and for us, what matters is not so much quantity, but quality of experience, quality of engagement. And Barbados has always had that kind of approach. So we don't quite have the mad numbers that others do in terms of that literally people running over you and you don't have any space left For your own population, but not at that stage at all. Having said that, what we're wanting to do is to curate better the stories that we want to share with our visitors, the experiences that we want to share, and that rather than it being simply about sun and sea, we also want to let you know this is who we are, this is what we feel strongly about. So this has given us a chance to reset. To do do do-over. That's right. Reset many of those stories, reset many of the ways in which we want to interact. Um, rather than just having the large tour companies alone which have a place and which are critical but we need to create opportunities for those who feel outside of the loop. And therefore we have a wonderful program called Barbados Alive, which allows our taxi drivers, who everyone who comes here are amazed at how much they learn just on that one journey with that taxi driver, about our history, about our economy, about our people, about our culture, about our icons, Gary, Gary Sobers and Rihanna and all of the others. Who was that? I didn't get that name. I don't think you know her, do you? Rihanna. I don't think you've ever heard about her? Never. Oh, okay. okay. Robin. Rihanna Fenty, of whom we're very, very proud. And if you know anything about cricket, we have the greatest all-rounder that the world has ever seen in Sagari Sovers, plus a number of other great legends. And for those who like motor racing, we have a youngster coming up who just won, um, took first place in, 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 in Monaco in one of the um, races below the Formula One, who's 17 years old, Zane Maloney. So that we have a number of people who feel that they can punch above their weight, and we've been able to share them with the world, but there's nothing quite like meeting Bajans in Barbados. You know, it's good when you meet them outside, but it's even more special when you can meet them here and we can talk as we hope to with you over roasted breadfruit or some salt fish <laughs> and different things that we eat, and, and to give you that chance to experience some of the warmth. Um, Because living on a small island is different. I mean, you have to learn some resilience and, of course, this crisis along with the storms and the other things that we face have taught us that. You know, one of the things you talk about, about, you mentioned the cab drivers, my
0: most Genuine experiences Mm -hmm. have been engaging Mm -hmm. in the world that people have lost they lost the art of the conversation That's right And when you start talking to people it's not just the general managers of the hotel It's the housekeeping staff. It's the maids. It's the drivers. It's the guy who's taking your luggage because I want to go see where they live. I want to go hang out in their neighborhoods and hear their stories Mm -hmm. It's not about going just to a destination with all due respect to American branded hotels yes. and sitting there and ordering a
4: cheeseburger and thinking I'm experiencing the culture because yep. I'm not. Now, one of the things that I've said all along um, is that look, our hospitality and our charm as Barbadian people is real and it's enduring and what do I mean by that? We, 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 we Watch people, we interact with them, and we go for relationships, not transactions. So, the fact that you're a tourist here for once isn't what we want. We want to build that relationship with you for the long haul. Now, what has it meant that this country has had one of the highest repeat visitor factors of any country in the Americas, and consistently so? So, I'll carry you, and you'll meet people who've been 30 times, 40 times, 50 times, 60 times, and you say, how can somebody looking so young like you be visiting Barbados fifty times? So that it's the ru- that? it's the rum. That's the <laughs> that. This is a place where rum was first from. So uh, I'm gonna tell you if you watch and you come, be careful. It was <laughs> called and originally "kill devil" and "rumbalian." Rum is just a short short word for it. K- kill devil. Kill devil was its original name in the <laughs> 17th century, and rumbalian. But honestly. What matters to us is what you leave with yeah. and and that relationship to make people come back is what really, really matters to us as opposed to just simply having millions pass through our port once. It's no longer a numbers game. No, it's not a numbers game. It's about a relationship and, and, and this country is an interesting country. Huh? I mean, we've stood for some serious things over the last four centuries. Most people would never have heard of the Charter of Barbados, which basically... Um, started the premise for no taxation without representation and a number of other um, critical things that we fought before for. Before the Tea Party? hundred and twenty-five years before the Tea Party. And if you come again, I'll actually show you where George Washington visited because this is the only country outside of the United States of America that he ever went to. And he came to bring his brother who was suffering from TB um, here to be able to recuperate. Now what does that tell you? that you can't get it any better when it comes to weather and climate. You know? and, and, you're you're and not promoting now, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just telling you that when you leave us in a few hours, what you're going to miss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hurt me. <laughs> so, for people listening to the show who've never been here before, mm-hmm. right, who have an opportunity to come, either by ship or by mm-hmm. air, what's the one thing that you think is going to
4: surprise them the most? How warm the people are. I mean, ultimately... There's that and the fact that you would never expect to have so many different experiences on an island so small, on 166 square miles. So you'll have the benefit of the Caribbean Sea with its very lilton waves, but you'll also see the majesty of the Atlantic Ocean beaten on the east coast. You'll have the gentle plains as you move into the beaches on the west coast, but you'll have the rugged nature of the mountains on the east coast. Um, And then the people and the food and and, and the experience. My thanks to
0: Prime Minister Motley. With a celebrity millennium leading the way, U.S. cruise lines are preparing to set sail at the end of this month from ports in Florida, Texas, and out west from Seattle. Colleen McDaniel, editor-in-chief of CruiseCritic.com, has the latest report. Joining me now, Colleen McDaniel, the editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic. How are you?
2: I'm great, Peter. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I mean, 15 months of idle, coupled with now almost an eruption of announcements of cruises,
2: yeah, it's been a really uh, fantastic period. Now um, we were quiet for, as you said, about fifteen months, and suddenly it seems like everybody is coming back, and we're hearing about plans every day. Being on board Celebrity Millennium, of course, is so exciting because this is the first ship that is sailing in the Western Hemisphere with uh, American passengers.
0: Now, since this is not your first cruise, <laughs> um, what's different about this
2: cruise? Uh, well, for one, it is not sailing at capacity, so we um, only have about what six hundred and forty-eight. Uh, yeah, we're hearing. We're hearing around 600. uh, And so it feels a little bit quieter. But interestingly, I think uh, the enthusiasm is higher than I have seen it in years. We're seeing people that are super excited to be back on board. The crew has been fabulous and welcoming. And so there's a real energy level that makes it feel like something special.
0: Now, there are a number of people who I mean, I've heard from them, obviously, my listeners. Uh, It's sort of like split down the middle. Some people say, you couldn't pay me to go on a cruise. And the others are saying, I can't wait to get back. The people who are saying, I can't wait to get back, by that definition of that statement means they've been on a cruise before. Right. But we have 100% vaccine compliance on this ship, right? So every crew member has to be vaccinated, every officer, and every passenger. And you get tested.
2: Yeah, so it's a a fairly uh, big process to get back on board. Um, At Cruise Critic, our uh, members are avid cruisers. So we've been really keeping in touch with them to hear what they feel about cruising and returning to cruise. And the excitement has been really high. Um, We survey our readers routinely. More than 80% have said that they will get vaccinated if that's what it takes to get back on board. And we just did a survey that said 80% would actually prefer that to sail on a ship where vaccinations are required.
0: That seems logical. Yeah. Uh, and yet the thing is there you have the court case in Florida where the governor is saying that nobody can require vaccinations as a, as a sort of an entry requirement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my guess is whether that you know ever gets out of mediation in the court system or not, uh, the private sector is going to lead the way. It's, all like, it's sort of like the old restaurants that said, you know, no shirts, no shoes, no service. Right about the same thing.
2: Right. If you want to cruise, uh, some cruise lines are absolutely going to require that vaccination is a part of it. Um, whether that happens in Florida or not, that's still something that is being determined and tossed around. But- All right. So
0: let's 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 take this ship in particular. This is uh, a 21-year-old ship. They've just refurbished it. Uh, it holds about 2,100 passengers. We're only going to sail right now with 648. Even if it goes full, it's still a relatively small ship by today's standards. Correct. So what does Royal Caribbean, which is the parent company of Celebrity, do with some of their 6,000 passenger ships? Are they going to require vaccinations?
2: Well, I think it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. We're going to see uh, some ships that are going to require vaccinations. I think others are going to uh, go the route of testing, which is another option through CDC.
0: Or you look um, at it this way. Some ships will be fine. Some ships will glow in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can't see where they can actually differentiate that because people are going to go, I'm not comfortable being on a ship where like half the people are not wearing masks and they're not tested. Right. And they're not vaccinated.
2: Yeah, and I think the rules are going to be different too. That's what we've seen so far from CDC is they're they're giving guidance. If you're not on a vaccinated ship, the rules are a little bit different than they are for people who are on a vaccinated ship. I mean, you you see here, people are walking around. There's a bubble. There's a sense of confidence. And we're not wearing masks. We're not wearing masks. We are social distancing. We're only
0: required to wear a mask getting on the ship and getting off the ship.
2: That's right. That's right. And even last night in the theater, you know, you saw that there were people were separated, um, so there was social distancing there. Um, some people are opting to wear masks on board. Certainly, I've seen that, but I don't think that it well, is. Well, the crew is. The crew is absolutely. Everybody in the yeah. crew is, and they are fully vaccinated. So it's just an extra layer of precaution.
0: And how, how often will you be tested on the ship? Because it's a seven-day cruise.
2: Right. So uh, we are going to have to be tested again before we return to the United States. That is to uh, meet the requirements for returning to the United States. So that's something that Celebrity is handling for us. And then, of course, we had our um, our PCR test before uh, getting on board. And that actually was a requirement of St. Martin um, rather than Celebrity. So a little bit of a distinction there.
0: Yeah. That's the thing that people need to realize when, when it comes to cruising. You can't do it in a vacuum. Every port has their own requirements. Every country has their own requirements. So it gets a little crazy.
2: It really does. And it also speaks to that vaccine question because we could see some countries that are really popular port destinations for cruises that are requiring a vaccine. And so that is going to play a big role into it as well any other restrictions on the ship? Um, we're not seeing a whole lot of restrictions. I think what they are doing is they're kind of calling out where they're making some of those social distancing uh, requirements. For example, in the gym, uh, there's equipment that is shut down. In the casino, there are... Oh, I noticed yeah. that. In the
0: casino, every other machine is shut right. down.
2: Yeah. And so they really are trying to keep people, you know, give them a little bit of distance, give them a little bit of space. And I think we'll see more of that as the cruise continues to roll out, you know, where we have things like the tr- cruise trivia and games and that sort of thing, where We might notice a few changes. Uh, We're still able to have those experiences, but it might look a little bit different.
0: And what about dining?
2: Yeah, uh, so dining so far has been really, uh, really great. Um, It seems like they've been able to fill uh, the seats. Um, The tables have uh, have been separated, especially in that main dining room area. Okay,
0: but I've got to ask the obvious cruise ship dining question: the buffet.
2: Yeah. So um, this is something that you know in the beginning, people I think were a little bit up in arms about is that buffet. Uh, They. The buffet is a little bit different. It is now a served buffet rather than serve yourself. So they
0: plate it for you.
2: They plate it for you. You point, you ask for what you want, you you say, keep going, or that's good.
0: (laughs) Uh, On the buffet, you can't go just load up your plate by yourself.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: And for a lot of people, that's going to be very depressing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will say it's kind of nice. It makes me think twice about portions. (laughs) Um, And a side effect of that, actually, uh, we're hearing from the cruise lines, is that it's going to cut down on waste, uh, which is something I think you know has, has been a problem. Problem in buffet for in particular for a long time where people sometimes their eyes are a little bit bigger than their stomachs so this might help cut down. On well, I, you
0: know, I I would like to do my impression of the cruise ship buffet. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to be standing there watching the line go by me and every second person I would look at them and go, what were you thinking? <laughs>
2: As the ship lists to the left. (laughs) But there's so much good stuff there. You want to try everything, right?
0: Well, at least on the first day of the cruise. That's right, yeah. You know, it's funny. when, When cruise ships sell these drinks packages, right? And it's like, you know, whatever the dollar amount is... The first day of the cruise, don't go anywhere near the bar because everybody's saying, let's do this, you know? And then, of course, they wake up having a conversation with a porcelain telephone and going, what was I thinking? And then they become reasonable and responsible.
2: Yeah. it's uh, It's been really nice to be back on board. Um, and Celebrity is offering It's Always Included, which is the first time I've experienced that. And which that, means? Which means that um, the line has gone a little bit more inclusive. Uh, so it does include things like drinks and um, gratuities and that sort of thing. Sort of thing.
0: yeah I want to talk about gratuities I think that's a great idea yeah. as long as everybody's getting paid right right I mean I love the idea that I don't have to go to my wallet every time somebody gives me a drink because I know they're already getting taken care of right right
2: yeah and, and that that that's really um, you know part of uh, but you got to
0: follow the money are they really getting it
2: right well and and certainly the cruise lines have a, a system by which you know they're delivering uh, a portion of those gratuities to the the staff and and they have that magic formula um, so but you know it's uh, a lot of people will elect still to tip on top of that.
0: Now, before the pandemic, every shipyard in the world was operating at 100% capacity. Mm-hmm. They were basically building ships of every size and pedigree. Uh, some of those shipyards got shut down as well, yeah. uh, temporarily, some maybe even permanently. But there's still a lot of bo- boats and ships on the order book. So what are you seeing coming out of the shipyards now?
2: Yeah, so it's really exciting. There are still some really great ships that are coming. We've got brand new Disney ship coming next year, Disney Wish, which is going to be the first ship in more than a decade for Disney. We've got a couple of cool expedition ships coming uh, from cruise lines like Seabourn and from Viking as well. And Crystal. And Crystal. So we've got all these great ships that are on the horizon that are really going to offer something new and different uh, for cruise lines that we've gotten to know, know and love. Um, but we also, Virgin Voyages, Virgin Lady debuted last year, and no one really got to sail on her. So she's coming out this year, and uh, her sister ship is on okay, way as well. Okay, I have to
0: ask one question about the Virgin ship. Sure. When I read this, I went, What? <laughs> Do they Are they really going to have a tattoo parlor at They're really
2: going to have a tattoo parlor at sea. Let
0: me just think about this for a second. <laughs> you're at sea, alcohol is involved, and there's a tattoo parlor. What could go wrong?
2: It seems like a recipe for fun, Peter.
0: <laughs> oh, you're, you're really sugarcoating this one. <laughs>
2: I mean, seriously, a yeah. tattoo parlor at sea? A tattoo parlor at sea, yeah. Now, there's a
0: big what was I thinking the next morning.
2: Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is like they have a lot of um, tattoos that are already sort of... R- templated, right? So you can choose from some of the ones you want and, uh, ahead of time uh, before maybe your night gets long. Oh, you
0: know, I always yeah. I always prefer to pre-order my templates.
2: <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> me too.
0: <laughs> but I mean, I, I cannot wait to see somebody have to sign a waiver saying you can't come back to the ship later on and say, what was I thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when are they actually going to set sail?
2: Uh, well, so they're going to debut uh, in the UK to start with now. So they're doing some round UK sailings coming up. And then eventually it is going to make its way over here and so start sailing from Miami.
0: Okay, now the last devil's advocate question. One of the reasons why we are on this ship right now is because the cruise lines decided to literally move their assets to home port ships and other ports outside the United States so that they wouldn't be under CDC control because the CDC was not moving fast enough to lift that no-sail order. We've got that part. Now, the, country, the countries that they're home porting in are excited. They're thrilled. They're all the op- obvious economic benefits the question is, how long will this continue once cruise ships are allowed to sail again from U.S. ports?
2: Well, I think what we've seen is that the cruise lines have uh, done some short season stuff. It's a couple of months here in St. Martin uh, in ports like Greece. And it, it certainly was a workaround really to to help them get back going again. Um, but I think that they're going to stick with the plans that they have for a few months there. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we are seeing some movement in the CDC after almost six months of of quiet. Uh, And so I think we're going to start to see them moving ships uh, back into the U.S.
0: My thanks to Colleen, to Prime Minister Motley, and to Prime Minister Jacobs. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to PeterGreenberg.com.
1: Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash peter and zip through busy airports
0: nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey